Developers, 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 developers. Developers, 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 developers. Hello, and welcome to the Static Void Podcast. I'm Jess Chadwick. I'm Todd Slater. And I'm Chris Gomez. And we are your hosts. We are recording this on the evening of April 26th, 2016, and in this episode, we are going to be doing a bit of a comparison between two incredibly popular Microsoft frameworks, WCF and ASP.NET Web API. Uh, More particularly, we're going to be talking about when or why would you choose one over the other. Um, But before we get into it, just a quick disclaimer this is not going to be a discussion on SOAP versus REST or RESTful APIs or web APIs or whatever you want to call them. Um, this is really very much focused on the, the two specific technologies, the two frameworks. So obviously we are going to be referring to SOAP and REST and, and web APIs and things like that, but uh, we're not really going to dive into it. I, I, I think that's probably another show that, that we probably have uh, coming up, but really on this one, we're just going to focus on the framework. So uh, let's start off with just kind of introducing them, just kind of give them a high-level comparison. Uh, I mean, Todd, you want to you want to start it off? Yeah, sure. So Microsoft has built a lot of different communication stacks over the years, and circa around I guess it was 2005 or so, they decided to create what was then referred to as um, Indigo, which eventually became WCF, Windows Communication Foundation, and their intent was. Instead of trying to build or have 20 different ways of solving different technology problems, what if they could build one framework, the WCF stack? And the idea is behind it, when you first learn WCF, you always learn what they call the ABCs of WCF, which stands for address, binding, and contract. And the idea was the address was where is the thing going to be located? It may be an IP address. It may be a mailbox address. It could be anywhere physically you communicate to it. The binding was around... What is the actual transport mechanism? Is it going to be binary-based? Is it going to be talking to an MSQ type of thing? Or uh, is it going to be more like a REST type thing where you're talking over HTTP or TCP or whatever else you would do? And then the last piece would be the contract, which is the message structure you want to send back and forth. Around that same time is when Microsoft was also heavily promoting XML and SOAP, which also kind of fit into that same mechanism. And then over the years, eventually... The web took off more and more, and Microsoft ended up trying to build probably four or five different REST-based type APIs on top of WCF. And then eventually, Web API came about sort of as a reimagination of what is the best way to do REST-based calls that really isn't tied on top of WCF. Yeah. Yeah, I think there was even an effort, right? Wasn't there the uh, the WCF Web API, it might have been called, and you could see the effort was to say we've we've done all the hard work of building an abstracted communication stack, like let's keep using it. They they definitely tried that a few times. Yeah, in different versions of ASP.NET, they tried to make it easier and easier. At one point, you had one of the big challenges with working WCF was I had to put in this spaghetti of XML to define everything. Where I think it was around .NET three five one or four, I can't remember the exact version. They introduced the the bindless HTTP uh, binding, where basically you didn't even need to define it. Um, but the minute you wanted to do anything special, like you wanted to define how it was cached or something else, now you had to put back all the XML again. Yeah. So I think one of the one of the big things is that uh, 
WCF kind of got a bad rap and still gets a bad rap for being too complex. Because I think to your to your point, Todd, that it, it was very much uh, it was a framework to basically do anything, right? So yeah, it, it might have been very much driven by soap in the beginning, but um, one of the things I like most about it is that it very much uh, encourages a, a, a good pattern of like just create a class, right? And it even in the documentation, uh, you don't have to create an interface, but the documentation is is very much geared toward that. It encourages you it encourages you to uh, create interfaces and everything, and create your bindings and your contracts against those, and really encourages you to separate that uh, contract versus implementation, right? Like you don't have to. It's an abstraction for communication. Yeah, but yeah, but it's it yeah. also it encourages good good patterns, good practices. Is what I'm saying. Like the framework sure. itself actually encourages that, um, and so that's what I've always loved about it. But I think it's it's always got a bad rap because it's uh, there's a lot of potentially moving pieces not that you have to use all of them, or probably you you won't often use all of them or even many of them. You'll probably only use a couple of them, but um, there's also a lot of configuration. And for me, even though I have now learned how to, and it took a lot to learn, um, how to kind of avoid that configuration or use a very minimal configuration, um, even now, when I go and use WCF, I keep kind of running up up against that wall of like, this thing is not working. It's not behaving the way that I expect it to. And I have absolutely no idea why because of that magic wiring that's just not obvious to me, even though I've been doing it for years, right? So I, I am, I'm kind of defending it and attacking it at the same time in that, you know, <laughs> it's gotten a bad rap and for some some reasons, it really doesn't deserve that bad rap because it's not as complex as as people make it out to be. Um, but on the other hand, you know, it, there, it certainly does still deserve that bad rap because it can be incredibly frustrating to work with because there's a lot of lot of uh, options and uh, what what kind of looks like magic unless you really really take a lot of time to learn it. And I have taken a lot of time to learn it, and I still don't really get all the magic. I think the uh, the key time that things really kind of started to not fall apart, but more of people started to re-examine if WCF was the right solution to things, is when jQuery came about. Because mm. it was very hard, without jumping through hoops or trying to understand, you couldn't just make jQuery Ajax talk to a WCF service. You had to do a lot of different things to make it work. Yeah. And if you're using Microsoft's Ajax toolkit, you used to actually put in, you had to define a WCF service as like a service binding inside of your I forget, whatever you were using for update panel, yeah. the, the service manager. Yeah. And it would generate a bunch of stuff for you. So again, it was too much of this sort of black yeah. magic. Yeah. And, and I think you hit on something else that's very important. When you first started working with WCF, you had to sort of like learn WCF, like a lot of the nuts and bolts, even just get a very simple yep. thing started. Yep. Where with something like Web API or even MVC controllers, you just create a class and say public X and learn some public. conventions, right? Even, learn, learn, get put. Yes. Post it's to, convention yeah. configuration. Yeah. The other thing I think that kind of hurt WCF a little bit was there was always this big push from the beginning in the, the SOA days of this idea that you should do contract first and while you could create a wisdom with, with, with WCF and stuff, the big push was, we'll just create a class to do that. And for a lot of people, they thought creating a class was the wrong way to create their contract first approach. Right. So it, it kind of like, it didn't hit the sweet spot with anybody, right? right? It could do everything. Right, right, right. You had the people who wanted the very simple way to just get going. It, the uh, learning barrier was kind of tough to get right. going. 
you had the people you wanted the most purest form, and even there, it's like, I don't want to create code. I want to write my wisdom by hand or whatever. Right. So it kind of like, it was the right solution, but no one really embraced right. it. Right. right. You, you've mentioned Wisdell a couple of times. So Wisdell being the kind of automatically generated documentation and even more than documentation, not just for humans, but for code generators, which to me is the best thing. I mean, I just talked about how cool it was that it encourages good, good patterns and practices, but even more important than that, that, that really kind of drives to its ease of use is this, this Wisdell, right? Where you can take this Wisdell and you as a human can just look at it and read it. Uh, and, and get a lot of information. But more importantly, you can point a code generation tool at it and quickly and easily generate a client uh, a client to consume that service or, yeah, or a proxy. proxy. Yeah. And uh, yeah. I mean, that's, that is incredibly powerful. That has some downsides, which I'm sure we'll, we'll get into. But uh, yeah. that's incredibly powerful, incredibly easy to use as opposed to something like jQuery where, yeah, it might be easy to... Uh, to construct an AJAX request, right? It's just an HTTP request. You use get, put, post, delete, that kind of stuff. Hit a URL and get some, get some JSON back from a from from a from a web API or from uh, from even from a WCF service if you do it right. Um, but it, there's nothing inherently describing that, and there's that's still today that I'm that I'm aware of. There are no code generation tools that allow you to. Uh, you know, generate client-side proxies against your uh, against your web API. At least, no popular. Well, ones. it depends. It depends, right? I mean, it actually. So you know, leading into the discussion on web API, like what is it? And if we were to contrast it, I would say, you know, and <laughs> this is this is a whole huge topic, right? I would say the number one way I would contrast WCF with web API is we just talked about how WCF is an abstraction gives you lots of different ways to configure and to communicate. We mentioned SOAP, but SOAP is not the only way to communicate using WCF. When you use ASP.NET Web API, you're using the web. Yeah. That's yeah. a commitment. <laughs> yeah. So there is, it's in the name. <laughs> there is no abstraction there. Yeah. At least in terms of your transport, right? Yep. It's going to be gets and posts and puts and deletes and whatever verbs you Over choose Over HTTP. Use over HTTP, that's that's a commitment that you're yeah, making. It's convention, right? The idea and of the convention. I think the reason this came about is is you mentioned, Todd, and we've talked about it, is, is the WCF team was was charged with bringing this newfangled web API approach into WCF. And it just they just couldn't get it done in a way that made developers want to adopt it. And so it was handed off to the ASP.NET team who already had ASP.NET MVC. So they already had an approach where you derived from a from a base class, from a controller, except to contrast MVC, you know, ASP.NET MVC's whole goal is, is primarily to return a view of some kind based on actions that are derived from the URL. That's not quite what you want to do in a web API. In a web API, you're deriving, you're generally... You want to return some data partially based on the resource that the URL represents, but also the, the verb that's being asked for, the get, the post. And so what happened is, is that team said, well, we can't just quite use MVC, although I think I'm right about this, is that Stack Overflow was famous when there was no such thing as ASP.NET Web API. 
they wanted to return some JSON, so they just did it through MVC, and they mm-hmm. were very happy about yeah, pioneering that approach. You. Yeah, right, right. But but Web API kind of it fills it in around the edges and gives you tools where with MVC you sort of just had to invent invent your own conventions. It also had a set of things like Git was automatically Git, post is automatically post. Like yes, there were certain right. things because I called something Git or use an attribute, that method became that. Where with MVC, you whatever you called it, that's what you had to call it, right? It was no the convention wasn't there fully yet. Yeah, yeah, right, right. And conventions can be incredibly powerful, right? When you use ASP.NET Web API, that's committing you to to working over the web. But that was convenient. I mean, like you said, Todd, yeah. is the the jQuery craze of at first this is why it's called ajax right is well let's let's just get some xml back why am i why am i getting a proxy and connecting to to an endpoint and getting this whistle why am i doing all that i just want some data so let me get some xml back and then you know eventually the x became silent for javascript because we don't (laughs) we don't use it's 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 definitely (laughs) a synchronous javascript and javascript and and json i'm sorry not and xml but um, th- there are a couple, you know, a couple movements towards beginning to standardize specifications and formats and beginning to create client-side generators. And you see some of this happening in Azure and other clouds. Uh, if you, I, I believe that team embrace Swagger and will, if you deliver, you know, uh, a swagger specification, which I'm going to just say is like a whistle for a web API. That's how I'm going to define swagger and other similar types of things. Then certain Azure services like logic apps will pick that up. So, but it's, it's very immature compared to, uh, soap. Soap is extremely mature compared to where the web API community has yeah. gotten. There's also so Swagger is I think it's the most popular. I mean it's it's awkward to make that statement because I can't really back it up, but it seems to be the most popular. Um, there's also another big competitor which is Raml R A M L. Um, so that's one that I've seen. I've actually I, I haven't really like used it in a project, but I did play around with it. I started um, actually documenting existing services by hand, and I kind of use this to prototype some services. So before the service actually existed or or before I implemented it, I actually used this to just document it. Um, and it was very, very natural to write it by hand. It was very natural. Um, whereas with Swagger, I've, I've typically been generating it, right? So there's a there's a plugin okay. called Swashbuckle or a module called Swashbuckle yes. that you can use with Web API that generates Swagger for you. Um, right. And, for, for a bunch of other frameworks too. There are generators as well. And that basically just takes your web API that you've already written. Um, you don't need to do anything special. You can decorate it with attributes and things to give it more information. Um, but with just out of the box web API, you can add this module and just say, hey, generate it. And it generates some, some, some pretty good swagger. Uh, I'm not sure if there's anything like that for, for RAML, for RAML, but... I mean, Swagger Swagger's pretty nice. But, I mean, to your point of, of code generation and stuff, I'm not really sure it's there. I, it, it's it, not it's, as mature. It's not as no mature, way. but it's also not as specific, right? The spec itself right now is is not really as specific as something like like, like SOAP or like WSDL or, or anything like that, which really defines, like, 
this property is this type, this specific type. And by this type, like system dot, you know, in 32 kind of, kind of specificity, right? You don't, you don't have any of that in swagger. Isn't a lot of the reason why some of this isn't mature because a lot of the consumers are JavaScript where like, why would we ever generate a class for JavaScript? When you just that's a, JSON data yeah, that's a, that's an excellent point. But when I consume these services, I prefer you don't have to, but I always prefer to create a client side proxy, right? A client side service, a client side API, so that when I consume it in my code, I'm saying, you know, new RESTful service or new client service is actually a JavaScript okay. class or a JavaScript object, and then I say client service dot get clients or get client by ID and I pass in an ID, right? So in the same exact way that I would generate a, a proxy or a, or, or a class for uh, in C sharp for WCF, I want to have that same approach and I use that same approach in, in my, in my JavaScript uh, applications as well on the client side, except that now I have to kind of craft it by hand. Um, I did play around with a, uh, a TypeScript generator, uh, a swagger to TypeScript generator, which I'm not sure if I open source that or not. I think if I haven't, I got to throw it up on GitHub. But we're actually using that at work right now where I made a plug into uh, to, to Swashbuckle and, and the uh, swagger page that basically just says export this as TypeScript, um, which is why I can say with confidence what I said earlier about the swagger spec is just not that specific now, right? It, there's only so much information you can get um, about types and things like that. So it is much more useful. Uh, it helps describe the, the interface and everything, but it's not going to generate it for you. And really, how can it, right? Um, the, the benefit of, uh, or, or the reason that the WCF code generators can generate it is because you have the .NET framework, right? And so you have, yeah, yeah, you have, yeah, you have system.net, you have HTTP client and all the stuff that, that works and, and powers it underneath. Um, and there really is no standardization today on that. What are you going to standardize on jQuery? Maybe. You know, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Are you going to standardize on the fetch API? Not yet. When, when you know, and, and I don't want to say that WCF and SOAP are the same thing because they're not, but I think that many people use WCF in the cases where they're connecting SOAP-based services. Yes. Um, and what SOAP, you know, was built essentially by folks like Microsoft, IBM, Sun, who had two very similar languages with similar type systems. And SOAP allows the Java developer as well to generate a pretty solid right. client from the WSDL right. because they can map the types. You know, an int in C-sharp is pretty darn close, if not exact, to Java. And then the folks who maybe weren't, you know, those two languages, mm -hmm. they could still do some mapping. Like if you're a Ruby developer, your code generator can map that stuff and get it good enough mm -hmm. so that Ruby works, you know. It was a good business to business standard for that reason. It, you know, yeah. we've talked about already is, is, is I'm handing you something that's that's pretty machine readable and fairly human readable in terms of WSDL and SOAP, which has nothing to do with WCF. Except that WCF is a great way to implement that stuff because it's super easy. Yeah, <laughs> and you try to do it by hand for older toolkits, it was not easy at all. Right. So how about security? Have you guys implemented security on, on either of these things, on WCF or, uh, or, or Web API, ASP.NET Web API? I have. Um, and I'm, probably the way I've done it, kind of done it both the same way, which is the an extra layer of security. 
So I've dealt with a lot of cases where I may have an API that's a closed API, but it's on a public-facing website, right? So it's it's on the internet, but it's behind a form-based type of inner uh, security model. So anytime you put something on the internet, you can't always assume, particularly if you're just using username and password, that the guy who's calling you is your application. So one of the things I've always added was an extra... Um, if you ever looked at SAML, SAML was a token format. Yeah, right. The WCS Star Federation. Yep. Um, so the, one of the things they talked the idea were the SI around claims, and I'd always put in something um, where basically it'd have a application token that was also part of this token, and I'd get that token on the server, and I'd interpret it and say, yes, this is the application that's calling me. I trust that application, so thus I'm going to let the user in kind of thing. And I've done that with WCF, and I've done it now the last few times with um, Web API too. Right. Having an extra layer of sort of a, a key, public-private key type of scenario. Right. So with WCF, I've done a couple things. Um, in a B2B scenario, where you can think of the, the servers on each end as kind of being the users involved, and there, aren't, yeah. there isn't anything more granular than that, then you can, use, you can just simply use certificates and and uh you know plain old tls and it's pretty easy to configure and what's really neat is that if you go if you kind of do wcf 101 jump start reading straight out of tutorials and books you'll get led this way where you just go configure it in the web config and you don't touch your code at all you configure the certificate yeah. you configure whether it's mutual auth are you accepting a client cert or not now there can be a little black magic there and i say that because having worked with many third parties I can think of many instances where I sort of became their instructor because they they couldn't yeah. understand why it wasn't working. Yep. Yep. And I had fought the battles enough <laughs> right. to say, oh, right. you, you know, you're not trusting my certificate. Well, you're sure we are. Okay. Look, I promise you, you're not. <laughs> and, and let's go, you know, but that, that was a little bit of, that's a little bit of black magic there. And I, because what happens is most people, you know, if you go get even some really great WCF books or tutorials or documentations that out, that's out there, it gets you through setting up services and making what are essentially remote procedure calls, but that's kind of where they usually stop. Could you, could you right now fire up Visual Studio and do that by hand from scratch? For that scenario, yes. I, I remember it pretty well. And there's a because couple reasons. Because you did it so much? I did it a ton. <laughs> I did it an absolute yeah. ton yeah. at one place. And then recently I've run into it again. Just recently. I mean, it's very timely, yeah. this discussion. Um, but I'll tell you what I have forgotten. Todd was mentioning SAML, which is, you know, I, I kind of gave you a B2B scenario where the servers are the, are, the, are the participants. Well, what if it's not just servers that are participants? What if I need more granular user roles within that? Yeah. Like I need an application to say, I'm Jess and here are my claims. And then I, as the server say like, well, get out of here. That's where you, that's called a federated scenario. That's where you have to move to, you know, WS security, SAML. And that stuff's even harder to find information on. Yeah. And then what's even worse is that it can be really difficult to set up in your lab to like even get it working. So now you just lost me. You know, like if you can't even set it's it up true, in though. a lab environment. It's but, it's hard. It yeah. is hard. Yeah. Security is and hard. Then, that, that's the then challenge. Then just though. wait until you've got to, inter- got to uh, set it up with your third party. You know, another business that you have to interact with. Yeah. That may be running Java or something. Oh, those were <laughs> nightmares. And, and I'm telling you, it that part of it is really, really difficult. Um, 
is is you get connected up with this other business that you're, you're going to do business together. There's obviously a ton of pressure from the business interests who are like, this should be easy. We picked a standard technology. Soap, it's standard. <laughs> and, yeah. and then, you know, you're looking, you're staring at their errors. And then you've also got to be very confident yourself that you really understand the errors and messages you're getting from WCF yeah. and the Windows stack yeah. to say, I know what's wrong here. Yeah, no, and that's my number one problem with it's it. It's hard. All those cryptic errors and you got to you gotta track it down. Yeah. yeah. What, what flavor of the standard are you using? <laughs> right. <laughs> it is really hard. But then I'll give you a good story too. So we were talking about how this is timely. Out of nowhere in the last six months, uh, again, our business is going to connect with a, with another vendor for the for the benefit of the customer, and they said, "Well, hey, you know how we like to connect? We have this whole document, and so the document gets delivered to me, and I open it, and I go, it's soap. It's it's that scene in Jurassic Park. It's a soap system. Yes, I awesome. know this. <laughs> so they just use soap, right? And yeah. they even they even put in there the whistle for the service, the imaginary service that they would like to connect to." So I said, this is great. I'm just going to go implement this. Now, I'll tell you, there were some speed bumps in the road there because the soap that came out of that they were presenting didn't quite match up with the default soap generated in the WCF world when I just implemented the classes and made the data contracts and the operation contracts. And I hit go and I looked at the whistle and I went, dang it. Right, exactly. Dang it, the actions aren't quite right. Exactly. And the methods aren't quite right. And this this is terrible. I agree with you, Jess. This is frustrating. But then I did find, though, and look, I had to go digging and research, whatever. I set a few attributes on a few methods and a few operations, and I got it to match. But that's almost... That's almost more frustrating, right? That it's so close. It is frustrating. That it, but it's still not the same at all, right? It just looks the but, same. But here's what was nice, though. The first... The first test between the two vendors, 100% worked flawless because I at least had a target where you could kind of argue that in a little bit more of a Wild West scenario, well, what did you send? Well, I thought we were sending base 64 strings. Oh, (laughs) I didn't know that. I thought we were sending XORD strings, right? I mean. All right. So on the other side of the equation, we've got Web API, right? ASP.NET Web API, which is tied to HTTP. So you've got all the authentication and security mechanisms of HTTP, right? So you've got basic auth off the bat. You've got digest auth. And you even have some newer things like uh, JavaScript web tokens, JWT, things like that, right? Open off, which I'm not saying is is great, or or the the uh, silver bullet. A lot of people have a lot of problems with it. A lot a lot of people have completely written it off, um, but it's out there and it's kind of a standard. Has has kind of a standard, and I'm doing that in quotes. Yeah, implementation like OAuth and Open ID Connect. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, we have these standards on on that side as well, on the HTTP side. Um, we also have the benefit of HTTP being far older and more mature. I mean, it might sound like I'm arguing for one over the other. I'm just I'm saying. Here's what it is with HTTP. It's open. Everybody's network <laughs> is is open to using it already. Exactly. Yeah. And proxies like, and, and all of that. The internet. I'm not even going to try to say it's more mature. I'm just going to say that it's it's like it's IT friendly. IT's already open the open port. They know how to deal with HTTP. They know how to deal with certificates. They know how to deal with that stuff. You don't have to be like, well, you know, the WCF. So I need you. It's more of a standard thing. I think that's right. a, that's the important thing. I open port eighty, it works. Right. And with WCF, I think a lot of times, like you were just describing, Chris, 
it was a very powerful tool, and is a very powerful tool, because like the scenario you described, WCL, I still believe, is the right solution to that, but it's mean, it's better for those harder problems. If yeah. I just want to get data from my web application into my system, WCF is overkill, right? Yeah. It's the wrong well, tool. Well, that's, what, that's it, what people came to is, well, I'm getting all this wisdom, and now I'm getting huge XML objects, and it's really a remote procedure call layer is the way I look at it. I don't, I don't think of WCF as web APIs, web APIs and ASP.NET web API is a, is a resource system, right? Yes. I'm going to either get a resource or I'm going to post to a resource. And then the server is going to do something with that, it's with all, that data. Right. It's all, it's all entities or resources, kind of synonymous, and collections of those resources or entities. And I've always thought of WCF as an RPC layer. Yes, here, absolutely. Here, go, go call this method over there with these objects and send me something back or maybe send me back a fault. I don't know. Yeah. Well, we're getting dangerously close to a discussion on, on REST versus SOAP, but th that is kind of the point, right, is that the, the programming model, the whole WCF as a framework is kind of set up for that RPC style. And as Todd, as you mentioned in your, in your, your history, your opening history, you know, there have been various kind of frameworks that um, were – kind of put on top of WCF early on and then later on baked into the, the, the current implementations of the framework that allow you to relatively easy, easy for WCF, uh, relatively easily expose um, JSON data, right? Send back JSON data or use URI templates um, to have kind of dynamic URLs and things like that. And it makes it far easier, but it's still the framework itself really kind of... Um, drives shim. you or pushes you <laughs> toward that RPC style. Yeah, it was a shim. It, yeah, it really yeah, never yeah. worked. Yeah. It was still kind of tacked on to make it sort of work. You could make it work, but you really yeah, had to but try it was, very hard. I've it seen was organizations still like use it to preserve their investment. Yeah, sure. Like yeah, I've, I've witnessed sure. that personally. They preserve their WCF investment by using you know, one of these flavors of WCF's web API, like you said, their toolkit or or whatever. The sure. funny thing is, if you if you follow the the pattern Jeff or Jeff uh, Jeff talked about in the beginning with the idea of you implement an interface, if you follow that pattern, it's very easy to rip out WCF and plug in a REST WAP API service. Mm. If you now ASP.NET Web API does not force you to be RESTful. If you want to develop a an RPC style interface, it's not going to stop the you. The conventions just... very strongly encourages it. it. Makes it it makes it a little bit difficult to not be. Restful, restful meaning that resource collections uh, kind of approach sure. in the URL and leveraging uh, uh, HTTP verbs, get put post delete as your your CRUD operations. On those I agree entities. with you that it pushes you that way, but man, I've seen a lot of code that clearly did not get the memo. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so I know. So it's not enforcing it so strictly that people don't just well yeah. get. They the, make the, a ton of controllers and they get 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 get. And I'm telling you, the get method might even be something like, um, oh gosh, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna, this is going to be terrible. The get method might be um, remove or, or um, open stores. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's like that's like flipping a switch. That's not a get. No, you said it right the first time. The get method might be remove something from here. <laughs> sure, right? I've seen it's that a, too. It's a delete, yeah. right? Remove but something, yeah. I, I think it's a, it's a good time to kind of circle back and talk about, we talk a lot about WCF, right? Like what about 
what is really the difference at this point, right? If I'm going to make that decision today, I'm going to open up Visual Studio. What is my driving points? And a couple things that I've identified is, if I'm going to do JSON over HTTP, to me, you just use Web API. There's very little value introducing WCF in that scenario. Why? So my main reason is it just works. It's simple. With attribute-based routing, it's really simple, right? I can go right into my class, Web API class. I define whatever methods I want. And I say, this is the, the URL I want to use. Compile code, it works. You can do that Where on WCF too, right? You could. And again, if you try to do the REST stuff, it really ever only worked with the Git and post. You really never, you never remember implemented the, the routing stuff into WCF. I think you could do it, but you had to jump through a lot of hoops to make it work. So right. to me, the idea is I can just literally, within minutes, I can create a class, I can return this, this structure of this data, go write a bunch of JavaScript code, it just works. Where with WCF, I couldn't do that. I'd have to go figure out, well, what's the trick to make the jQuery Ajax call be able to call into my WCF service? Yeah. One of the big things that, uh, that, that WCF proponents often cite is, is the serialization, the serialization options. So Chris mentioned it earlier, we kind of glazed over it, the transport, right? So like HTTP is, is basically the default and only way in Web API. And in WCF, you not only have T HTTP, but you can also use um, TCP Everything. or uh, yeah, named pipes right. or, or binary, or sorry, you could do binary serialization yes. over all those transports. Um, and then you could actually even use MSMQ. You could use yep. a message queuing transport as a way of sending messages. It's all very message oriented, right? Um, and then also the serialization, right? So you can do XML serialization or SOAP serialization by default, and then you can do JSON serialization, you can even do binary serialization, right? So that that's, again, that kind of speaks back to the versatility. And I think when we're talking about, you know, do we want to use Web API or WCF, it kind of comes to, well, do you need any of that stuff? Yeah. That's Are you ever going to use the name pipe? Are you ever <laughs> going to use a yeah. TCP? You know, the architect in me loves the fact that I can do that. <laughs> and I can just go into config and switch it on right. and off. It but preserves like, your code development. Yeah, but the developer in me is like, no, dude. Like, I'm going to implement one. <laughs> yes, you know, and Pick I'm, one, I'm never going to change that yeah. because if I change it, it's going to break everything. Yeah, there, there, there's other, there's a ripple effect down to that. So that is probably to be the that really comes down to two big things that WCF has over top Web API is it's not just tied to HTTP, and I have these other um, serialization options. Binary serialization is a huge thing. The idea that I could take binary an object, a whole set of objects, and convert it into a binary, then ship it across the wire, and on the other side, it would be able to know how to open it back up. That's serious performance gains. Where at a Jason, huge you cost, that, though, right? You're, you have serious versioning concerns, versioning issues. They have to yes. have. That would be that. Yep. Is, that is probably the 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 caveat. But again, if your scenario is that scenario, you need that throughput. Your versioning is probably not as, as I would say not as critical, but the versioning is something that's you can do it every year or two, right? It's going to be more of a, a yep. cadence to doing it. Where a web application really doesn't fit that mantra, right? I'm going to be creating some stuff, and then you get to add some more stuff. If I have to regenerate my WSDL every three minutes, yep. my head would want to explode. <laughs> well, we also haven't talked about how WCF supports scenarios like this. Uh, 
two Windows services on different boxes communicating via TCP. Yep. Yep. Um, you know, two processes that want to communicate over named pipes. I mean, you know, forget the web, forget internet, forget even intranet at that point. You're just saying, I want something a little bit more flexible than like what we had early on, like .NET remoting. And then you preserve your code investment if you say, you know, I, I think I want that endpoint to be a web-based endpoint. You can host it anywhere, host it in a app, host it in a service. So it's, it's just extremely flexible. But then the price you paid is that it's extremely flexible for a core Microsoft developer and then maybe a few other folks who've implemented SOAP interfaces but then you get to the web API world, which obviously just completely took over. Yeah. And you're well, those have been the scenarios that I've seen WCF really, really, truly shine is that kind of back end or rather middle tier, um, you know, kind of peer to peer conversation, right? Getting, getting data from one server to another or even from one process to another process on the same machine. So you can, you can apply that really good architecture of, this application or this service or this process does one thing and one thing well, this other one does another thing. They need to kind of interact with each other. And so they do that through something really performant like name pipes, right? So they still talk to each other and theoretically they could be on two different machines and they could be across the world from another one another. But for performance reasons, we happen to host them on the same exact machine. And so it's a process-to-process call that's completely avoiding the network stack and everything. But if I have another instance across the world, you know, for redundancy reasons or whatever, I can just use configuration to just, you know, just switch over to that. So now I'm using TCP, I'm going across the world, and I'm hitting that other one, right? Um, So those those have been the scenarios where uh, where WCF has really shined and I think is still really incredi- incredibly relevant. Um, but a lot of the, in terms of uh, the, the, the quantity of, of needs of the implementations that I've been doing these days at least have not really been that kind of server side, B2B, you know, server to server communication. It's really been more client server communication, specifically web client communication. Right. So even if we're talking about mobile devices, even if it's not yeah. a browser, sure. they st- even the mobile applications today are they, they talk JSON and, and RESTful APIs, uh, web APIs much, much easier than uh, than than XML and certainly SOAP. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, and I, it's I, what I, developers are using too. Yeah. You can go hire developers who will understand you know, calling web APIs, calling RESTful services, and they can just go to work. Uh, It's probably getting harder and harder to find someone with some WCF expertise. Uh, Yeah, I don't know about that because, I mean, it's always always been difficult to learn, right? I've been using WCF for, how how old is it now? You know, is the- At least 10 years. At least 10 years. I've probably been using it for close to 10 years. and I still, I cannot go and do anything from scratch with WCF today, right? Like I've been using it for almost 10 years. It's so complex right. that I can't see. You do down. have a head start though. I have a, I have a head start and I can figure it out within a couple of hours, right? And I can remember back yeah. to all that pain that I went through and kind of really work my way through it. And 
when it really does suit the scenario, like the scenarios that I was just talking about, like that server to server communication, it is, it is magical. It's amazing. And it's actually a pleasure to use again, primarily because of, uh, the, 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 the good development, uh, patterns and practices that it encourages. Right. Um, and so when it works, when it's doing well, like it is, it is a real pleasure to use. It, it feels easy. It's not easy. You need to, you know, con- you need to spend a lot of time configuring it and putting all that plumbing in place. But once you've got it and you're just kind of adding on behaviors and stuff, it feels really good. Whereas when I'm, when I'm doing a spa or something like that, it's the exact opposite, right? It's web API is the thing that just feels really easy and really good to use. And when I have to use WCF to send down JSON to a, to a browser, it feels painful. It feels like it's getting yeah, in my way. Yeah, just throw in that monkey wrench yeah, right there, yeah. right? It's this, It's a browser trying to call back for, for to the server for some reason or a mobile device. And once you throw that monkey wrench in, that's, that, that's it. Is, is your, the developers you're going to be out there looking to hire, that's what they're going to expect. Yeah. Well, because it's just far simpler to do that, right? Lower overhead, leverages HTTP, which is the language or the transport of the web. That's, it's been around since literally it is the web, right? right. Um, and so it's just there. Everybody knows it. If you're a, quote, web developer, you almost by definition need to, to know it or understand it. And it, right. It's, it's a and at least accept that's what it is. On the web, <laughs> yeah, right. There's no choice. <laughs> right. On the web, we have user-centric patterns. So we had cookies that were, was a pretty good browser-to-server user-centric pattern, but now that's we're slowly moving to tokens because uh, that's a little bit easier on mobile, uh, a little bit easier in spa, right? Easier for, for APIs. Yeah. Right. So now when you consider you're in that world, you're in a web and mobile world, you are user-centric. It's more important to know who I am. And we were just talking a little bit earlier about how painful that was in WCF. Just absolutely yeah. painful to be like, oh, I've got to go implement SAML yeah, tokens yeah. now to get granular user yeah. permissions. But if it's straight B to B, no problem. But oh, now I got to know not just that it's Todd, not just that it is the server from that business, but that it is Todd or that it is yeah. Jess or that it is Chris. By the way, I think you mean mobile first, cloud first world. That's mobile the world first, world. cloud <laughs> first world, right? So it, it, it's it's funny in a way. We, we've talked a little bit about this. How we talked a little bit about Swagger and stuff. When, when more and more people talk about microservices, I start to feel like, so we're going to try to reinvent WCF <laughs> or what WCF was very good at, that, that sort of communication, server to, services to services communication. Every so it, class it, of service. Yeah, everything's a service, right? It's not like, a, it's not a conflict, right? I mean, you, you use WCF. You can use WCF to implement microservices. I don't understand. Oh, you definitely can. And what I'm saying is in the context of today's world, a lot of people talking about REST-based web API when we talk about microservices. It, it, it's an evolution that eventually we're trying to reinvent everything that we sort of had before. And eventually I think we'll reach a pain point where like it's going to fall into a bucket. WCF will fit into this niche of type of application development. Web API will fall into this one. And there may be other, even other things that make even more sense for other type of scenarios. There isn't one solution. I just think a lot of people when they start talking about, we talk about, talking about mobile first and stuff, a lot of people are starting to kind of equate the mobile application talking to the microservices, which because REST and JSON is sort of the universal standard now, it's easy. 
And I think ultimately that's that's the, to me the driving force because I was a I was not a fan of, of actually still not really a fan of REST in general. But even Web API for a long time I'm like I'm just gonna use MVC controllers. I don't need this other way to do things. It took me a while to really grasp the be- the benefits between them. The benefits of of Web API over ASP.NET MVC with JSON and REST over HTTP. Yes, the benefits of HTTP with JSON. If you're going to talk to your a client like like uh, Chris was talking about, a user based client is going to communicate to a service. It's generally easier to get going with a REST Web API type service as opposed mm-hmm. to WCF. Mm-hmm. At least that's my opinion based on what I do today. Like that to me, that's the decision. If it's going to be over HTTP and I want JSON, Web API is a good fit. If it's not going to be JSON and it's not going to be uh, client to business, it's going to be more business to business. My my instincts would drive me towards WCF. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. So the other thing that that really really begs to be discussed here too is that uh, ASP.NET Web API as a framework is uh, is dying. <laughs> No, but it's merging. With it's merging the, into one right, toolkit. Right. So with with ASP.NET Core, the the, the kind of new iteration, the new evolution of of, of ASP.NET as a full fledged framework, there is no longer a, a web API as kind of a standalone uh, framework. It it is it's just ASP.NET MVC, and you have the concept of controllers and actions, and you can create APIs with those controllers and actions. Right. I mean, is it really? Is that the summary? Is it really that simple? Yeah. Or you can return views. I mean, yeah. it sort of addresses the issue we always had that, okay, well, we have MVC, we have ASP.NET MVC, and we have ASP.NET Web API, yeah. and they're very, very, very <laughs> similar, but, oh, it's tw- this one's tweaky in this way, and this one's tweaky in that way, and action filters work this way in MVC, and they work this way in yeah. Web API, and I think... They have the same exact concepts, and some of the classes are even right. named the same, but they're not the same at all. They're literally... Well, they're in slightly different namespaces. Yeah. 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 That's always really, really bothered me. So I was really glad to hear that they were they were merging. Right. I, now, that's made it a little tweaky. Um, now, uh, you know, I know that ASP.NET Core and MVC Core and all that is a moving target. Yeah. But <laughs> but what I have seen is, is that some of the things you were used to where you would just fire up a web API project and out some of the things you would get out of the box for free, you would get, um, uh, you would get content negotiation for free, JSON or, or XML for free. If you want to go enable that in the new world, you, you got to go set some settings somewhere. Now that may not bother yeah. a lot of developers. There are probably plenty of developers who have right. written off XML. I kind of like having content negotiation I think there are some really neat scenarios where the same resource, but asking for different content is a very valid scenario. They're, yeah, well, they're neat, but they're yeah. not as common. They're not the. They're usually not what gets you out of the box, right? You, yeah. First thing you do is you get some JSON. I don't back. know. I just question. They seem more theoretical than practical, right? I I I love them too. I they sound like neat scenarios. I would completely agree with that statement. But then we're talking about going yeah, to right. work. I've, you see I've it very never, often. I agree never with you. Implemented I agree. It. Right. And the one or two times that I said, hey, this looks like a good fit, and I got really excited because I could like implement that academic, theoretical, awesome sure. thing, it, like, it didn't really turn out. Right? It, it, was, just, it was just overkill. It was, uh, it was over-engineering when it was just simpler just to have some other implementation, right? like a, a different controller action or something. It was just far right. simpler, simpler, simpler to implement, and sometimes even simpler to to, uh, to consume as well. 
Now, consuming web APIs, you see a lot of folks end up building uh, clients in other languages. I mean, yeah. Let's look at you know, look at cloud services. Look at yeah. Well, it just doesn't matter. They don't actually end up making you use REST. They end up saying like, "Oh, are you a Ruby developer? Here's the Ruby toolkit for (laughs) AWS or for GitHub or for whatever." Facebook. Yeah. Right? Talked before a little bit about Swagger and stuff, and I, I, when you brought it, guys brought it up, it reminded me a little bit of OData, which is another thing, sort of on top of or part of the what we'll call the Web API stack. Right. It's very easy to tap in and bring back OData type queries back and forth. And I, as far as I know, WCF doesn't really have anything like that. It is more of that message based thing. It doesn't have this idea for anyone who's not familiar with OData. The idea is OData. I can say. I could put on the query string different attributes that's kind of sort of follow a standard that says this is the where clause, this is the sort by, this is the filter. And it's sort of a standard way of doing things. And I know a lot of people have built on top of um, Web API ways to tap into this. Where do you guys think that I, fits in? I've always kind of hated OData as a as a practice, as an approach. It is it seems lazy to me. It's it's basically saying, here's all my data do whatever the heck you want with it, right? It, the, the APIs that I tend to create are a little more, uh, little more friendly, user-friendly. Like, you know, create scenarios and you say, oh, you're probably going to want to get your list of users, right? And those users are going to have contacts and those contacts are going to have addresses and things like that. And the APIs are, are, are implemented to serve those kinds of scenarios, identified scenarios, and serve them very well. Whereas OData is almost just like throwing your database on the internet, right? And it's basically H- database over HTTP. Yeah, you know? I mean, at and, least and you're just the request is right. Yeah, I mean, I'm not yeah, a big right? fan of OData either, but it sort of fits in that same thing because that is something Microsoft has pushed heavy, and I mean they've built a lot of their own um, libraries and, and frameworks. SharePoint, for example, or um, Microsoft CRM, they've built heavily into OData. Office 365 is built heavily around OData. But those, those systems are inherently, um, they don't have like specific use cases, right? They are inherently just like, here's a data store. It's just a different type of database. It's, it's a place that you can throw some, some content in or some data in, right? SharePoint, it's, it's yeah. lists. It's li- yeah, literally it's nothing more than it's lists. It's content, right? <laughs> List of content. And it's content, yeah. And then you, so here's OData, right? Here's, here's a way to query and filter uh, the, the data in those lists that you set up. Um, same thing with CRM, right? CRM, you set up some entities in a, in, a, in a relationship database and then here's a way to query them. But when you actually create applications and those applications are driven by pretty specific business workflows and, and, and validations and things like that, a lot of the time the, the OData approach just kind of goes out the window. It just doesn't really apply. So the reason why I brought it up is to, to be another area where sort of web API shines is if you're going to be, if you're Facebook or you're Twitter and you want to expose an easy way for people to consume your stuff, most of them have picked sort of a web API approach. I'm not Microsoft web API, but that same type of approach. And right. I think it, the reason why ties into a lot of what our discussion was, it's just easy and it just works. I don't need to understand the framework you've written this in to consume it. Where with WCF, yes. a lot of times, yes, it worked great when it was .NET here, .NET here, unless yes. Yes. you were .NET yeah. for 
O here and you were dotting at 3, 5 here, or you were Silverlight here and you were dotting at 4 over here. And all of a sudden, all that magic things you had didn't quite work. It sort of worked. No, no, but there were problems, right? <laughs> I, mean, I remember in the Silverlight days, every freaking time there was an error, I got a 404. I'm like, I want the real error message, not 404. <laughs> it doesn't help me. Yeah, well... For that problem, you've got configuration, right? There's always configuration of the rest. Yeah, well, that's what you end up then doing, right? So it, it, to me, it, that to me, there were a couple of real reasons why people started to adopt these things is because it was simpler to get started, and frankly, people wanted JSON and not XML. If we were still dealing with XML over all places, I don't even think Web API would exist because WCF handled XML perfectly. Yeah, no, I think that's a great point, though, is, is that when you have... Um, alternative or I guess competing technologies, multiple technologies that are that are all trying to access a single service. They don't want to know or care what that service is written in. That service could be written in Python or ASP.NET or Ruby or whatever. It doesn't matter. I'm going to make some kind of standard request to it. I'm going to get some standard response back through JSON or, or whatever. It just shouldn't even matter, right? You, you could theoretically change your implementation from Ruby to ASP.NET Web API or something. But as long as it's returning the same JSON and the same HTTP headers and things like that, yeah, who cares? It's super frictionless, right? Yeah. Compared to WCF or SOAP or anything yep. like that to yep. just say, hey, just make a GET request. And almost there isn't a developer out there who doesn't have easy access to GET and POST requests. <laughs> web browser does, right? I mean, just fire up your web browser. Yeah. But even then, like just looking at your frameworks, like we have in the .NET world, we have HTTP client done. Yep. yep. If you're in jQuery, you've got want something. If you're in Node, you've got something. Yeah. It's easy. So Microsoft's always been great at creating the tooling. So it is, quote, easy to create a, a client, a service proxy, and generate a service yes. proxy from a WCF service. Right. But it's far, to your point, Chris, it's far easier to just open up Postman and make yeah. a web request, right? Or right. For, for simple gets, you don't even need to open Postman. Just literally just type it in the browser, right? Right. Yeah. And on that note, I think that's a yep. show. Uh, so you, listener, what do you think? Have you used either of these frameworks or, or even both of them? So do you have a favorite one or... Uh, is there one that you kind of like tend to lean on more than, than the other or something like that? We'd love to know. Please leave a comment on the website, staticvoidpodcast.com, or send an email to comments at staticvoidpodcast.com. And as always, if you have a topic you'd like us to discuss on the show, please feel free to let us know through those same channels. We want to make sure that we're talking about the things that you want to hear about. So, Todd, Chris, thanks for the chat. Yep, awesome. Yeah, thank you. And thank you, listener, for spending the time with us. We hope you enjoyed it, and see you next time on the Static Void Podcast. <laughs>